Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Where I want to go back into, though, is that day of the phone call of calling in for Crime Stoppers. You're sitting there with him. He calls it in, and you were there for that call. Was that hard for it for Dave when he was calling it in? Was he emotional? Was he matter of fact? He was pretty matter of fact. It all had to do with the fact that, you know, he could put a child's life in jeopardy without any remorse. He's pretty much capable of anything. Did you guys ever talk about it after you guys called into the Crime Stoppers again? Not really, I don't think. I mean, because it was, it was done. It was, like, you know, basically you sit back and you wait, you know, until something happens. There's really not anything else to say. So Dave's cleaned up messes like that before. Are there other examples? Paul did. Some, oh, I don't even want to talk about that one, so. You want me to turn the recorder off? Yeah. Welcome to the last episode of Hide and Seek Season 1. So I want to catch up on what's happened between now and the last episode, the sit-down with Eric. I know some time has gone by, but there's reasons for it, and I'll explain in this episode. Now, as you recall, Eric and I had talked at great lengths, four and a half hours to be exact, about his confession. And Eric continued to deny any involvement and doesn't remember confessing to the murder of Nancy Moyer. Now, while Eric was in Thurston County's custody, Detective Hamilton had Eric sit down and listen to his own recording, confessing to how he had killed Nancy. Still, Eric claims he doesn't remember ever saying that or his confession. Now, when I asked him why he would do that, 
he blames it on drugs and alcohol. One thing Eric does remember is knowing Nancy and having some friendly encounters with her, such as passing by and seeing Nancy with her girls waiting at the bus stop. Now, this was Bill Moore's house. Just to be clear, this is the one that Bill and Nancy lived in before she moved out, which was three houses down from Eric's. Eric said that when he would head to work, he would see Nancy waiting at the bus stop with her girls. She acknowledges you and you guys wave at least, right? You guys... Right, wave. We don't necessarily, you know, acknowledgement meaning a head nod or something like that or a little wave but then nothing I don't remember actually seeing her very often other than I found it odd that she was dropping off her kids to the school bus but she didn't actually live there and I kind of when I found that out I was like oh wow she drives all the way in from where she lives and I'm curious about that one how did he know that How did he know that Nancy was no longer with Bill, but yet driving back to the house to drop the girls off, or at least waiting for the bus to come pick the girls up? I can assume that that was just information he put together by knowing that Aaron and Nancy were seeing each other, but I don't know. Another encounter Eric talks about is walking into work and him and Nancy arriving at the same time. His explanation for this was, while Nancy was dropping off the girls or waiting for the bus to pick them up, he would sometimes go to the store to get breakfast. And during that time, him and Nancy would actually arrive at the Department of Ecology together. They would walk in together and kind of have chit-chat, but that was just about it. At the end of the day, Eric denies having any involvement for the disappearance of Nancy Moyer. At the end of my last episode, I told you guys about my last encounter with Eric right before I left his house. You're willing to take that polygraph? I see no reason why not to, other than the fact that I've already been eliminated as any sort of suspect as to her disappearance, you know, whether it be fingerprints or DNA, anything like that, even location, you know, I told them that. I'll get a polygraph machine and I'll come back. As long as I'm not going to waste my time and go get it and hire somebody to do it if you're not willing to do it. I was told not to do that, but... Don't do it for Thurston County. Do it, do it with me. Well... Why do you think I mentioned it? Okay. So, where do we stand today with that? On August 31st, I went back to Eric's to get that polygraph. I put his address in my maps, and off I went. Starting route to Sheldon Lake Another four-hour drive. Before I left Eric's the first time, I had asked him to remain in contact with me. Now, his cell phone was confiscated and taken into evidence by Thurston County when he was originally arrested. Eric said to me over and over he would remain in contact and reach out to me by either his ex-girlfriend's phone or his son's. Up until this point, Eric hadn't contacted me yet, so I was going out on a limb by just showing up unannounced. I'm pulling up to Eric's house. The first thing that I noticed was that there was a truck and a trailer parked in the front. They weren't there the first time I came by. I glanced in the back as I approached the front of his house. The truck bed was full of dirt, tree roots, and garbage piled up. I'm not quite sure what was in the trailer, since it was locked. But for the second time within a month... I'm trying to confront Eric. If you remember, he asked me to get him answers to some questions he had for me. I'll dive into those later. As I approach Eric's house, I can hear from inside what it sounds like a TV playing loudly. He has blinds now. I knocked on the door. Hey, Eric? Nothing. I walked around his property shouting his name thinking he might be outside working. No response. I couldn't help myself. I started examining the work that he had done to the property. Oddly, the plastic water bottle I drank from was still sitting in the same spot, by the fire pit. 
I made my way back to the front of the house. I continued to knock on his windows, thinking maybe he couldn't hear me from the loud noise, which turned out to be a radio, not a TV. I was able to peek through some of the blinds that were missing and noticed that Eric had shampooed his carpet. I also saw what looked like a ladder was up in the living room. Apparently, Eric is doing some sort of maintenance on his home. I can't say that I'm surprised. One thing I do want to update you guys on Eric's current status is that he's trying to get rid of his house. He's selling. It popped into my mind thinking that he might be out for a walk. If you recall in the last episode, that's how he was spotted in the first place. So I hung around for about an hour. Now as I wandered around, I came to a complete stop. I found bones on the ground next to his truck. My initial thoughts discovering these bones, there's no way he'd be this careless. My second thought, did he do this on purpose knowing I was coming back? Kind of like in a way of middle finger to you? Now, my last thought, is he watching me right now? I immediately took my phone out and took a picture of it, sent them off to Detective Mickey Hamilton. I honestly don't think that the bones were human remains, but I'm not an expert. I'll be posting the pictures on my social media page. I continued to hang around Eric's property. Then what do you know? I get a phone call. It's Eric's ex calling me. Before I paid Eric this visit, I was having multiple conversations with his ex, and she's the one that Eric is staying with. We spoke for a while about her feelings and opinions about Eric's confession. I'll say this now, she doesn't think he's responsible. She was aware that I was going to his house, and I thought we had a good understanding and good conversation. But the one thing that she decided not to tell me before I drove to Eric's was that Eric was no longer at his property. He was staying at her house. And her reasoning on not telling me that Eric was not there, knowing I was heading to his house, was because she was concerned that I would actually head to her house. I told her that I was at the mercy of her organizing and scheduling a time to meet up with Eric to get the polygraph done. She told me that she would have Eric give me a call. So on September 1st, at 10pm, I got the chance to FaceTime with Eric. The first thing I noticed, Eric has cut his hair. It's much shorter now. I immediately confronted him on why he hadn't contacted me yet, like he had promised. Not that his word means much. His excuse was he didn't have access to a phone, which I called him out on. He could have used his ex-girlfriend's or his son's. His ex defended him and said it wasn't that simple. In my opinion, if he really wanted to, he could have called me. Eric's attitude towards me during the FaceTime call was much different than our first conversation. He's more aggressive and seems to, I guess, no longer care or understand the gravity of his actions. At one point, Eric said to me, How about you come over and I'll make you dinner? I quickly replied, yeah, you take the first bite from my plate. I continued to reiterate and explain to Eric that this whole situation wasn't over, that I had answers for the questions that he had for me, and that I wanted to schedule the polygraph if he was still willing, to which he said he was. I told him, you understand that people are still wanting answers and that you owe the Moyers answers, especially if you're not responsible and you did make up the confession. Let's clear your name so we can start looking in the right direction. And Eric's response? One of the creepiest encounters I've ever had with somebody. Eric sat there with his arms folded, staring back at me with a smile on his face. Eric said, maybe I said it for a reason about his confession. For the first time, I feel like I could be getting somewhere with Eric. Is this him finally opening up to me? That statement completely contradicts everything that Eric has stood by after recanting his confession or what he told Detective Mickey Hamilton. Why would he now say, maybe I said it for a reason? During the FaceTime call, Eric's ex was sitting right next to him. Her initial reaction? Why in the hell would you say that? It was as if Eric didn't even acknowledge her presence. He just sat there and continued to stare at me with that smile on his face. I replied to Eric, I don't need to repeat what just said, but why did you just say that? Before I can get a response from him, 
the FaceTime call was ended. I called the phone back immediately. I sent his ex text messages expressing my frustration. She called me back about 30 minutes later. Apparently, the phone died. I challenged her reason or excuse about the phone dying. I told her to send me a snapshot of the screen. She did. The battery was low and charging. I can't say much at that point. She told me Eric's reason for making that comment was because him calling in to confess, even though he's supposedly not responsible or remembers confessing, it helped bring Nancy's case back to life. Or, it's no longer a cold case, apparently. Yeah, what a great Samaritan you are, Eric. A couple of days went by. Eric's ex and I were still coordinating on getting the polygraph done. She said I can go to her house and pick Eric up there. On September 11th, I got a text message from Eric. He wrote the following. Hello, this is Eric. I'm not going to be making any statements to anyone. My choice. Sorry for the inconvenience. I'll spare you guys on my reply asking him to reconsider. Since September 11th, I have not spoken to Eric since. Eric not willing to take the polygraph adds another layer of a guilty conscience in my opinion. If you were somebody that had falsely confessed to something, wouldn't you do everything in your power to try to prove your innocence? And yes, I'm already aware. Polygraphs are not admissible in court. I just wonder what length you would go to if you had to prove your innocence. A couple of things that I do want to address, the questions and statements Eric claims to have made during my interview with him. Eric claimed that he saw someone on his property the day he called in to confess, and that his dog Decker alerted him by barking. The call apparently happened prior to his confession, and obviously the one thing Eric claims to have remembered. So well, well, let, me, let me reverse that real quick, because that first phone call was about a guy who was on your property. Mickey Hamilton didn't respond to that call about the first, first call, right? I don't know. I don't know. Because be you, you it should be on Thurston County's records that you made that first call. You know, I really don't know. It seems like it was at the same time or one moment after the next. It was just, then you made the second call? I really don't know. I mean, that's what I told him, and that's, okay. that's the hardest thing that if you've ever been into a investigation, it's like the worst thing to tell them is that you don't know. I went to Thurston County's call logs. All calls called in for the 911 or dispatch are logged and kept on record. On July 9th, there were in fact two calls on the log requesting some sort of response by the sheriff's office to Eric's address. The first call was at 2.59 p.m. and the second, 5.56 p.m. Immediately I thought to myself, could this testimony actually be true? Can he really be going insane? I reached out to Detective Hamilton about this. And surprise, surprise, Eric's lying. The first call at 2.59 p.m. was Eric calling in to confess. The second call at 5.56 p.m., that was for authorities requesting support from Animal Control to get Eric's dog, Decker. So many of you are aware, the informant in the probable cause report, Dave, has passed away. This was the guy that Eric claims to have been best friends with. And I want to remind you, this was the guy that Eric was claiming was responsible for Nancy's disappearance. When Dave passed away, he was dating a girl by the name of Barb. So I wanted to sit down with her and ask her some questions. You're okay with this recording, right? Yes. Dave and Eric, how long have they been friends? Since high school. That was a strong bond relationship that they had. And you started to date Dave, do you remember what year? 2007 or 2008. Dave and Eric were still pretty close at that time. 
best friends. They would take their boys fishing together. They were always doing stuff together and Eric was always over at our house and we were constantly over at his house like riding quads and dirt bikes and having barbecues and just all sorts of stuff. Lots of parties. Do you ever recall seeing Nancy Mori there? No. Did those bonfire pits happen up until 2009, 10, 11? Did they stop at one point in time? Dave and Eric quit communicating or talking maybe 2015, 2014, 12. I, don't, I really don't remember. It just seems like it was forever. Is that when the bonfires stopped or was that continue? Well, I don't know what happened at Eric's house. I just know that yeah. um, we didn't go over to Eric's house and Eric wasn't coming over to our house. What I'm looking for is, is the bonfire that was going on, the parties. Mm-hmm. Were you guys going over there on a regular basis to have these gatherings up until the point of the fallout? Or did it stop before then? It stopped before then. Why I'm asking about when the bonfires stopped happening is because in the probable cause report, there was a claim that when Nancy went missing, the bonfire party stopped. Do you remember around what year it stopped? If you guys started dating in 2007? Maybe 2010? Yeah, we, we really didn't go over there very much after that. In 2010? Yeah. And do you know why? I think we weren't invited. You know, I don't think things were really going on. Aaron Huntley would put on parties as well. Do you ever remember seeing Aaron Huntley over there for the parties? I don't, and Eric never mentioned anything about having Department of Ecology parties over there. Did you ever meet any of Eric's coworkers? No. And Dave never mentioned them either. You had mentioned earlier the, the hide that Eric was heard over and you heard him in the podcast. That was way before me. Was it? Yeah, way before me. Because when I moved in with Dave, that hide was on the wall and Eric was over a lot. I never heard about the hide incident until... Dave never mentioned that? Eric never brought it up around you? Nope. They never like kind of joked about it? Nothing? Never ever. So did when you heard Eric say he took that after he said he would give it to me, was that new to you? Mm-hmm. Totally new to me. When I asked him, why did you and Dave have a fallout? And he said, you know, the original story is because of the hide. You think he's lying about the fallout? Because the fallout doesn't sound like it happened until you said 2014, 15, maybe even 2012. That was way before. There was no fallout in, uh, in 2012 or 14 or 15 because of the hide. Absolutely not. One of the things that I heard was that when Eric crashed his car into and he did it on purpose, that and you guys, you and you and Dave, had became good friends with mm-hmm. You guys didn't agree with Eric's behavior and what he did. Absolutely and not. That was the fallout is that Eric felt like Dave was siding with that is absolutely when the fallout started. Whenever he ran into the car and he told us one story, because he acted like he was coming over to our house to return a muzzle loader that Eric had borrowed from Dave. Mm-hmm. And he also said that he was going over to propose to So this is before the accident? This was after the accident. Oh. This is what he said on the telephone. Allow me to explain what's going on here. At the time, Eric had gone over to his girlfriend's house. While he's there, him and his girlfriend get into an argument. While her daughter is in the vehicle, Eric is so upset that he takes off and chooses to smash into her car while the child is still inside the vehicle. 
Did he show up at your guys' house after the accident? He, he never showed up at our house again. So he called, and he's trying to explain himself or what happened? I think we called him because he called us. Okay. You know, we're like, hey, Eric, what's going on? And um, you could tell that he was drunk. His story did not match up at all. And it was completely wrong Com from coming from what said. And I absolutely believe what said. And if you looked at the car, you know, and you talked to her daughter because she was in the car, you know exactly what happened. At one point, he did admit to me when I was visiting him when he was in the psychiatric hospital that he did run into her on purpose because he said that was my car because I bought it for her. He doesn't think that the little girl was inside the vehicle. No, well, he's wrong. She was. He knew what he was doing when he was backing into her car. Her daughter was in the car. You guys called Eric to kind of say, well, what's going on? Exactly. He says he's going to propose to her. Yeah, he goes, I was on my way to propose to her. I was going to ask her to marry me. And said he hits her car because of an argument between the two of them. He can't resist his rage or anger that he tells you at one point that he hit the car because it was his car and he gave it to her. Mm -hmm. So what's this got to do with Nancy's case? Well, it's important to know what caused the fallout between Dave and Eric. Eric claimed that it was because of the hide. And then he says that Dave was selling drugs to his girlfriend. From Barb's perspective, that doesn't seem to be the case. Another reason of wanting to know what happened between Dave and Eric, some have speculated that Dave possibly knew what had happened to Nancy. Not because Eric had confided to him, but possibly because he was involved. So was the fallout really about the hide, selling drugs to Eric's ex-girlfriend, or was it because of Eric ramming his car into his ex-girlfriend's while the child was in it? I mean, he said to me and Wayne Vernier, it was on purpose. Yeah. He did hit it on purpose. He told me that too. Then when that accident happened between Eric and Dave, when that, that conversation was, was happening, can, do you recall what was that discussion like between Eric and Dave for the point where Eric felt like Dave was choosing and siding with her and that there was this division between the two of them that caused the fallout? I mean, um, at that point, I am pretty sure that Eric was going over to, um, cause he was spending a lot of time with Ethan and Melanie at that time. Mm -hmm. And, Quick correction, Barb meant Ian and Melanie, not Ethan. Melanie and I had become friends, and I had totally explained to her what had happened, and then she was trying to, like, change my words around and say, no, no, that's not what happened. And, like, you mentioned Portland earlier. It was Ian and Melanie who went to Portland with Eric on a regular basis. They went to the Jupiter. Ian and Melanie who went with Eric to <laughs> Portland. And Ian and Melanie are no longer together. I think Ian's married now. Eric had a really weird relationship with Ian. This was even something that, you know, Melanie said, well, if that's what makes them happy, you mentioned threesomes sometimes. I do seriously believe that there are, between the three of them, that things happened. And, you know, and Melanie never said, no, that's not true. That didn't happen. And she goes, well, if it makes Ian happy, you know, it makes me happy. Eric and Ian, and then Eric would do, like, really weird things. Like, at one point... Um, this was a story from Melanie that Eric got really drunk and she had a, a really nice, like, I don't know if it's a sleep member bed or something like that. And Eric like urinated all over it and he had to, you know, so then finally they were making him sleep out in the garage, you know, because he couldn't be trusted when he was drinking because he would do really weird things and say the same thing that she would wake up and he would be peeing in her closet. So this is him being drunk and not... Totally not knowing what he's doing. Completely out of control. 
when you said that whatever makes Ian happy, Melanie would, would, would basically try to please Ian. Absolutely, because she wanted to keep that relationship. That was so important to her. Do you think that that comment was about sexual I do. pleasing in, in, in uh, exploring that with another person involved? or I do. Was that Eric? Eric and Ian, probably. With Melanie? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. They were really open to stuff like that. I mean, Dave was never open to anything like that. Would never. I mean, I don't know. Melanie kind of talked about it a little bit. It was like, um, not directly, but indirectly when you knew exactly what people were talking about. And, you know, like when you go to the Jupiter in Portland. What is that? I think it's a really open-minded hotel. There might be a dance club there or something. I don't know. I've never been there. But, I mean, the Jupiter was the place that they would frequent. And sometimes without Melanie. Did, and Dave never went with them? With them oh, then. no. Not his thing. I mean, Ian and Melanie is an interesting relationship with this because they're, they're somebody that I didn't know about and, and uh, wasn't on my radar until after Eric had confessed. And I, I want to kind of go back to the relationship that Dave... Eric had because there was something very important that you said that you recall this conversation between Eric and Dave and that was about Nancy Moore. It was at our house and I'm sure we were drinking because you know everything always involved alcohol and there was something about, and I remember Nancy Moyer, and I don't remember why I remember those words, if it's because it reminds me of somebody I went to high school with or what, but Eric just mentioned her and I'm pretty sure he mentioned Aaron and I took it as it was maybe possibly the three of them or whatever and I could be completely mistaken maybe he was just referring to Nancy and this was like in the beginning of Dave's and my relationship so it would have been like 2008 2009 you know that you know she was hot you're sitting there it's the three of you. I might have been in the kitchen, you know, and I'm like listening. There's there's a lot of banter. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Paul Bickle might have been there. You know, but there were people there at the house and everybody's just talking about like reminisces and talks about things and then, you know, brings different things up and talking about people at work, you know, and Dave used to work, you know, and I don't remember the whole thing, but it was just, I remember something about Nancy Moyer being at his house and that maybe Aaron having his way with her and it was like you know effing the crap out of her you know and talking about Aaron or him Aaron was brought up somehow because it was his nephew but I don't really remember all the details I just remember the name and like this was just another name that was brought up that you know I kind of looked at it as if uh, this was just another woman that was used you know Eric was pretty into that but did Eric say he was having sex with Nancy? I don't, I can't totally recall. I just know that he would say that he said it was at his house, that they were at his house. Yeah, you know. That they as an Aaron and Nancy or him and Nancy as an Eric and Nancy? Just uh, that Nancy was at his house and that's where it happened. You know, it, it was just this conversation that flowed with a bunch of stuff. Do you remember what year this happened? I'm thinking probably 2008, 2009. I had just had surgery. I was probably off work for like six or eight weeks. So it was probably during that time. In the probable cause report, Dave being the informant, 
Dave says, we're in the vehicle, we're driving past or nearby Nancy's house. And he points and he says, that's the girl that I'm sleeping with and having sex with. That's my nephew's ex-girlfriend and I'm having a relationship with her. Do you know when he said that? What year he said that to? I don't know. But if that is the case, then it makes total sense that Dave would have brought that up at the house when Eric was there and they're talking about different things that, you know, This is the same incident that you're talking about when you overheard. Right. Okay. So that would make total sense of how that was brought up because I, I, like I said, I didn't remember how it was, but there was a whole lot of inappropriate men banter going on, you Mm -hmm. know, and. So we don't know when he said that to Dave in the car. But then, after Nancy went missing, Eric says, remember that girl I was fucking up with? Yeah, it's that girl that went missing, Nancy. And Dave asked him, do you know what happened to her? And Eric's response in the probable cause report is, I may or I may not know what happened to her. Do you remember when that conversation happened? It would have had to have been 11 or 12, because maybe 11, because I moved back in in 12. Yeah. 11 or 12? So you lived at Dave's in 2007, moved out in 2010, moved back in 2012. Was that yeah. right? And then he had this conversation. I may or may not have something to do with that. Dave brought that up to you. Oh, yes. So when did these conversations take place? I want to try to explain it to you, and I'll break it down as best as I could. In the probable cause report, Dave mentions the first time Eric brings up Nancy's name as while driving past Nancy's house and says to Dave, I'm hooking up with her, and that's my nephew's ex-girlfriend. I believe that that conversation took place prior to Nancy's disappearance, late 2008, when Eric and Nancy were seeing each other. The second time Eric brings up Nancy's name, sometime shortly after September 1st of 2009, seven to nine months after Nancy has gone missing. Barb had just had surgery and had some time off due to the injury that happened at work, and she didn't return to work until early 2010. Eric is at Dave's house, while another gentleman by the name of Paul Bickle is also present. Eric is talking about how he is hooking up with Nancy and how it happened over at his house. Why I feel that this is the second time Eric has brought up Nancy's name is because in the probable cause report, Dave mentions hearing about Nancy for the first time in a ride together. So this is Eric bringing up Nancy's name during some banter between Eric, Dave, and Paul and speaking kind of freely about it and how it happened at his house. Now, the third time was during the year, I believe, in 2011, because Barb had moved out of Dave's in 2010 and moved back in February 1st of 2012. That is when Dave had informed her that Eric could have possibly had something to do with Nancy's disappearance. So technically, Eric had waited approximately two years before informing somebody that he had trusted that he could possibly have something to do with Nancy's disappearance. Was there more conversations that you guys had about this that what didn't make the probable cause report that Dave felt why Eric, he thought Eric was responsible? Because Eric totally distanced himself and kind of went off the grid and, you know, like quit answering phone calls, wouldn't call back. It was just weird. His whole demeanor changed, you mm-hmm. know. It was just, and he was drinking so much heavier. Let's go to the part where he decides to call in the tip he calls in, and what led up to him making that decision? Because you were a part of that phone call with him. I was there. What led up to him saying, okay, I, I feel like I now need to take that step? Because one thing that is kind of processing is is just the timing of the fallout and then timing of the phone call. What got Dave to that point where he said, okay, I now need to, to call this in? He just felt like 
It was the only thing that made sense. About Eric's behavior. behavior. If you ever brought up Nancy, he was so defensive. I mean, so defensive and silly. I like how Eric said, I said, if that is true, Dave would have come to me. Dave would have came to me and said something. Dave did bring it up to Eric before. And I'd be like, what the fuck? You know, I don't know anything. You know, what the fuck? Why do you keep bringing this up? Eric would just deny it. So, of course, but. Shrug it off? Pretty much. Pretty much like shut the fuck up. You know, kind of thing. Do you know he responded to his mom that way as well? About getting defensive? I had heard that. This wasn't the first time someone had told me how Eric would respond when hearing about Nancy's name or someone asking him if he knew anything about it. While Eric was in the vehicle with his girlfriend and his girlfriend's parents, the mom had asked Eric if he knew anything about Nancy Moyer or remembered her. Eric's response was, I don't know, what are you, the detective? Then Dave, and, and, and with you, decides, I'm going to call crime stoppers. Tell me about that call and tell me about that day. He just said that... He had to do this. It was something that he had to do because he had to get it off his conscience. Because now he's carrying it. Right. One of the things that people were throwing out is that Dave knew something about this. Maybe he didn't do it, but that he helped clean up the mess. Oh, God, no. Not possible. Not Dave possible. never... And had that been the case with all the different things he has told me about what has gone on with different friends of his and things that he did have to clean up... Can you elaborate? Um raped somebody in Dave's apartment and um, Dave had to clean up that mess, you know, and he, you know, like took her home and, you know, said, I, you know, I'm really sorry. You know, he goes, do you want to press charges? I get it, you know, but. Did they ever press charges? She never did. You know who she is? I don't remember her name. I don't even know if Dave told me her name. So Dave's cleaned up messes like that before. Are there other examples? Mm, did some Oh, I don't even want to talk about that one, so. Do you want me to turn the recorder off? Yeah. I wrapped up my conversation with Barb. I would love to be able to ask Paul Bickle if he can confirm whether Eric did or did not say he was hooking up with Nancy. Unfortunately, he's also passed away. Barb and I had a chance to catch up a few weeks later. She wanted to share something with me that I found interesting that I feel like you guys should know. At some time during the year of 2010... Eric had gifted Barb and Dave a 1990-something Cadillac SS. It was a green one, and Barb found it very strange that Eric would basically give this to them almost at no cost. The vehicle could possibly be at a junkyard. I spoke to the owner, and they're going to take a look at the transaction history to see if they still have the vehicle, since in 2011, they purchased it for $600. I've relayed this information to Detective Hamilton. Now, in the episode, The Sit-Down with Eric... I made him listen to my conversation with Sam at the end of episode 10. I chose not to share this part of the recording with you guys, but I'm going to share it with you today. I wanted Eric to hear the heartache he had caused with his involvement. Eric, you remember those little girls that you saw Nancy dropping off yeah. before school every day 10 years ago? They were little, little girls, right? They were, what, 8 years old? I don't know. 9 years old? Loving. They've gone 10 years without a mother. They're the ones that have suffered the most here. They've oh, yeah. gone 10 years without a mother Definitely. through all the, you know, the milestones of childhood. They haven't had a mom. And they had a little bit of hope when you confessed, thinking, what? hold on, they had a little bit of hope when you confessed, thinking that they finally knew what happened, albeit it was horrible and grisly. 
but they had they had something and now that was taken away but is there something that you'd want to say to them or you'd like to say to them what would you say to Nancy Moyer's children don't you think I've said too much already? I mean, it's. Well, oh, this, this, this is this is this is this is okay. So I've talked to them. I've sat with them. I was just at their house before this. Sharon's upset. That's the heavy part. Is that you have this family, who's had no idea what's happened, and you came here at the top of your hill, and you said, if I were to get rid of a body, that's where I would do it. And even if you didn't do it, which is you know you recanted your statement. I think you owe something to them for for bringing this up the way you did. And, and there should be something you should have to say to them. Well, again, I didn't say that. I said that's where I was going to be cremated. Okay. To her girls? Again, that's like the third or fourth time I've said it. I do not dare even think that I honor the respect to even make that comment. Can you uh, empathize with them just what you put with them through? You, I mean, okay, you didn't do it. Say you didn't do it. But you did put them through hell for the last month, right? You made this fresh again. Whether or not you did the murder, whether or not you killed Nancy, you you killed Nancy again when you brought it up and you confessed and you made it fresh in those little girls' minds that have been without a mother for 10 years. And I personally think you should say something to them. You've got an opportunity. You can apologize. You can confess again. You can say, hey, I, I don't want any... What, there's got to be something. There is, but I don't think that this is the kind of media or situ- what is it? situation that I would even... Adults that have been without a mother for 10 years. What would you tell them? I don't even know. Can I show you something? Sure. I want to show you something. The weight that you, that you put on these girls and the heartache, I want you to hear that. It's way far back. If you could say anything to the people on social media and the comments that you're reading, whether they're positive or negative, you know, frustrating, if you could say anything to help with this, what would you say to them? Just be sensitive. And I guess I'll end it with this last question, and I've never asked you this question before. If maybe mom was out there and she was listening, what would you say to her? say something or you don't have to I'm not going to make you but I'm not going to keep pressing or pushing you to say something but that little girl who's now 19 has grown up without her mom if that doesn't do something to you and you are responsible I don't know if anything ever will but did you have anything to do with Nancy Moria's disappearance no no I did not what do you have to say to the Moyers today? But I'm so very sorry for their loss or their, their mother. I'm so very 
sorry for the, what the kids had to go through, what they are going through, what they will continue to go through. And that's not something that, um, I mean, with my friend Dave, it's like very obvious, you know, or car crash is very obvious, you know. But with this, there's nothing left but questions. Kind of like right after things came together, it's like, why would they bring up Dave's name? Why would they, why would Dave say that? Why would he do that? It's like not... Can I, can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. Eric, you're bringing up Dave's name after I just asked you if you wanted to respond to the Moyers. Or their family. It's not an escape goat. It's nothing is an escape goat. It's, well, it's then why are you, you keep bringing up Dave like, as if like you can't believe Dave did this? He didn't do it. He went forward with information that he thought Thurston County needed to hear, and what they did with it after that was was on them. But that didn't make him the killer. That doesn't make him the killer. What well, doesn't make me the killer either? No, but he didn't call in and confess to murdering her. Again. How I, how ironic is that? He calls in about you thinking you're responsible, and then you call, what, how many years later, after him sharing this information, five years later, and you, then you eventually say, I did it? Do you know no one's looking at Dave as, as being the key person responsible right now? That was my last card I could play with Eric. Guilty or not, Eric continues to think about himself, not what he's done to the Moyer girls, Nancy's parents, the Headland family, and everybody who loved her. I can confidently say today that I've done everything I could to figure out what happened to Nancy. So as we close this episode, I want to end on this note. I want you guys to know that I will always keep you guys updated and informed on what's going on with Nancy's case. So that means that there will be future episodes, and if there is a trial, you can bet on me being there. I want you guys to know that I will forever be grateful for all the support that you guys have shown me throughout my season. Please know that this would not be possible without your guys' support and the attention that you brought to Nancy's case. If that was on my social media pages or sharing it with a friend or family member, you guys helped bring Nancy's story back to life again. And that's why I strongly feel that where we are at today, you guys played a huge role and I enjoyed every moment of our journey together. Thank you. I also want to thank all the individuals who have submitted me cold cases, whether it was a friend, a family member, I truly appreciate the support and your willingness to trust me with something like that. Now, season two is a realistic possibility. If you feel like you know of a case that should be investigated and you think it's something I should tackle, please message me on my Facebook Hide and Seek social media page. So, as we close out this last episode, I felt it was only right for Sam and Bill to have the final say. Continue to keep the Moyers in your thoughts and prayers. Thanks again, guys. So, CrowdSolve, what's it been like for you guys? Just being here and everybody getting together, what's your experience been like? I think CrowdSolve was a, was a very good experience. I think it was super positive. There were some people who asked tougher questions, I think, than I expected, and others who were afraid to ask the questions. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the dialogue and the communication today, I, I thought was excellent. I, I think it has a very valid chance of moving us forward. Did you kind of have an expectation coming into how you think this would actually, the format and how it was all going to kind of kind of come together? Yeah, I, your looked final at, I looked at how the format was laid out, and mm-hmm. I actually liked the fact that they led in with the experts then broke into the groups. I'll be honest, I, I found the group session extremely fascinating. And I did have questions asked of me that in 10 years hadn't been asked. Really? Mm-hmm. And uh, that was intriguing. Some of the ideas were kind of out there, 
but that's okay. Yeah, I think there's a moment, Sam, where you're like, you know, people are still targeting, you know, talking about dad in a way, and yeah. that kind of upset you. But, you know, as you said, Bill, there were some kind, sometimes uncomfortable questions, but they're kind of necessary, right? So we can get on and deal with it, right? But you kind of, Sam, felt a little frustrated, and then we had a chance to chat about it. How do you feel now? Well, yeah, when people asked me or my dad questions directly, they were always very nice about it. They, uh, we're like, I don't want to offend you, yeah. so I don't know if I should ask you this. And we're just like, just ask. And I feel like they kind of asked questions differently when they were asking you or uh, Detective Hamilton. But I think they need to remember that he's in the room. Right, yeah. So. What about you, Bill? How did you take those questions? Um, actually, to be honest, there's people I didn't feel were asking enough of what they truly wanted to ask. Mm. I, I had three different people that... I knew what they wanted to ask, and I actually had to pull it out of them. I was prepared for anything and kind of expected that anything could happen, and in some cases kind of did. So I'd rather they ask the hard questions. I mean, I've been asked hard questions from people at all levels of law enforcement right. and, and interviews on multiple TV shows. So why not? people who have paid to be a piece of the solution yeah. that, that's okay they can ask what they want i like i love that comment you made about that you said there's nothing you're not going to ask something i've never heard before and they didn't let's go let's go back to july 9th eric roberts confesses to the murder of nancy moyer what was your guys's response to that and who who told you about it first i think i think mickey talked to me first okay. yeah i believe i was shocked really? completely shocked of course, he'd been on the radar in the past, but kind of quickly dismissed, and I didn't know what to believe. I, I mean, it, it was very surreal, to be honest, uh, because we never expected anyone would step forward, period. We thought if the person was going to be caught, they'd be caught because finally someone put DNA together or some, there was some sort of smoking gun. The idea that someone would step out and say, yeah, it was me, that never crossed my mind. Do you remember? I mean, he was three doors down from you. Correct, yeah. I mean, did you frequently see him as you drove past his house or? Just once in a while, really. Um, you know, being that it was five-acre parcels, you didn't necessarily drive directly by each other's house every day, yeah. especially where we lived at the end of the street. But we would see him at the mailbox and, you know, we'd our cars had passed, you know, coming in and out of the neighborhood. And, and I think I saw him at one HOA meeting in the seven years or whatever we lived out there. So to be honest, I didn't, I didn't really ever know the guy. What year did you move or did you sell the house? Let's see. We sold it seven years ago. So, yeah, 2012, 2012 is correct. Yeah. Let's go to you, Sam. What were your thoughts when you heard and who told you about, about Eric's arrest? You told me about <laughs> his arrest. How did that feel for you? I honestly don't remember. I don't remember if it was, uh, you told me he was arrested under suspicion because I think I was kind of just shocked or if it was you said he was arrested because he confessed, which I remember I broke down crying mm -hmm. and I was on the phone crying. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, when Jamie asked me when we were doing the film, you know, what was the hardest part of this entire process and that was having to call you and tell you that they made an arrest and hearing mm -hmm. you cry. And you had a chance to see Eric this weekend on the TV with him listening to your piece. And I think it was episode 11. Yeah. As you, we've talked about before, he kind of like glances off into the distance without much care or concern about yeah, what he's like listening he, to. He was trying not to listen to it. 
right now Thurston County is going through evidence and they're testing everything. And, and you know, this could be another maybe, we don't know, a year, six months, three months, we don't know. But, I mean, That's definitely right. the mentality is going to be marathon versus sprint. But, you know, Mickey and his team do what they need to do. Mm. Let's say Eric hears this conversation. I want to start with you, Bill. What would you say to Eric if he was listening to this? I would say if Eric is listening to this, it's time to do the right thing. Uh, if, if Eric is the person who is guilty, it's time to, one, give the family some peace, give the family some closure, and might even do something for himself that way. I think there's something to be said for coming clean, and it's past time to do that. What about you, Sam? Well, if he did it, um, he ruined my life. That's it. Um, if he didn't, then he gave me false hope. And that's not fair. <laughs> and I hate him for it. Yeah. I hope he I hope he does listen to this and I hope that that he makes the right decision. And you know like Sharon said whether he did it and, or didn't do it and he said he did it he's a monster. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. Um and I'm so sorry for that. No girl should ever have to grow up without her mom. No child should ever have to endure and go through that. You know, I'm so sorry for that. Do you feel today do you guys feel like Eric is responsible with all the testimonies and the interviews and the probable cause report and his conversation with Ben Elkins and Mickey. I mean, what do you guys think? I think it's extremely likely. Yeah. Yep. I think so. Do you think that there's truly an opportunity for you guys to grieve after whether he's convicted? Do you feel like you've kind of had to already accept that process after his confession? I guess it depends. I don't know. If we find out uh, where she is or what happened, then I think we can grieve. But if he, if there's a way for him just to get convicted because of suspicion or there's too many things against him, but we never find out what happens, I don't think I'll be able to. It's not that I need the remains. I just need to know what happened. Yeah. Or where is she? So it's kind of one of those situations that he can say, he, could, he told us two different versions of what happened. Mm-hmm. And then he recanted. And then, you know, if let's say Thurston County does build up a big enough case where they can convict him for this, if he's still saying, I didn't do it, you feel like he's taking a piece of that with him. And by not allowing you to grieving, you want to hear him say, okay, this is actually what I did. And this is where she was at. Yeah. You know, obviously, this is the last episode. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to say thank you, of course, for, you know, challenging me to come up with the name of my podcast <laughs> and, you know, to get this all going. Um, but, you know, just your willingness and remember that you're the person, you know, that got this going. You, know, you are responsible yeah, you to get Bill, to get Sharon, Jackie, Brian, and uh, you, you made this happen. You really did. And... I know your mom's proud of you. You got your grandfather to post on Facebook. Yeah. And also you too, Bill. You know, I don't have a chance to say this to Sharon or, or to, you know, Jackie for the podcast episode, but, you know, you could have easily said no. And you could have easily said, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. Be there for my daughter, but I, I need to move on with my life. I appreciate you continuing to hang in there, even when things got uncomfortable at times with the yeah. cell phone. Obviously, you knew I was just trying to keep the integrity of what I was yeah. trying to do. 
But if you guys can say anything to the listeners to have the last word for the people who have been, you know, with us and along for the ride and, uh, you know, even here at Crowdsolve, what, what would you guys have to say to them? I think the first thing I'd say to the listeners and, and the people at Crowdsolve, because they're in some instances the same people, part of the same group anyway. First, I want to say thank you. You know, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for following along. Thank you for growing in numbers. The longer the podcast was out, the more people were listening to it. To the people specifically at CrowdSolve today, thank you for your participation there. Um, and it could move us closer. And e- even the people who asked the tough questions, I felt were still supportive. That's been huge for us. And James, we do say thank you to you. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. You, you've been yeah. amazing. and. And your family. At the end of this, when it's all said and done, we'll always be friends and family and little sister. Sam, <laughs> you are. Perfect. Yeah. So. Okay. That's all I got. Thank you. That it? Yep. <laughs> Last word. See you on the flip side. finally responded to my facebook message a year later hey james i'm thinking this podcast thing might work out smiley face maybe bill maybe